0: I'm S.P. from the GunnaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is part of the GunnaGeek.com network. Just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other amazing geek shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com.
1: Welcome to an all new Better Podcasting live chat. I am Steven and this is episode 44 I'm pleased to say that he's here with me. He's the one that I fall asleep to thinking about every single night. He's SP.
0: Hey, everybody. How's it going? And it's kind of horrifying that he falls asleep to me every night. I'm I'm assuming he's playing all episodes of me in his mind or maybe tracks that I've sent him. So it's just all me. And uh, yeah, there there you go. By the way, this is episode 44. That means we are four by fouring it. I just have to say that because I have a four by four and I'm very proud of having a four by four because it's been a winter that you need a four by four. We got a great show. A lot of chat information from our Discord server that we'll talk about. There's been a lot of great conversations over there which you can find at betterpodcasting.com slash discord.
1: Absolutely. And let's just start off here with some live chat that we have, because if you didn't know this, when we do stream better podcasting live chat, which is usually usually at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, but not tonight, uh, we do have a live chat room that people can chime in, and we have loyal listener Johnny Pennington, who I know was up to some hard work earlier today and managed to still find time to make our show. He has said, quote, what a beautiful microphone Stephen is using tonight along L with its shock mount. And then he corrected himself and said with the shock mount. Now, number one, yes, there is a shock mount on the microphone, but number two, it is the shock mount that I have used forever, which is not the real shock mount. I, I use a generic one, but the elastics have kind of given way on it. If, if I continue using the BP-40 for a while longer, I'll probably have to fix those all up. But that is the microphone I'm using today. There's no microphone roulette tonight, just the BP-40.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm a little disappointed, Stephen, that uh, you got all the kudos there for a beautiful microphone and shock mount because you pan out on me a little bit on the video for a second. Can you, can you do that? Can you do? Yeah, Johnny, it's a little bit difficult, more difficult to discern because it's got a windscreen on it, Let's same microphone and shock mount. So there you go. The BP 40s all around tonight, which we did not coordinate ahead of time. (laughs)
1: No, just coincidentally, we showed up. That's because we're on the same wavelength because I think about you every night that I fall asleep.
0: Yeah, you're just listening to me. So I must have been talking in my sleep. BP40, <laughs> BP40 40, BP 40 this week, BP40. Yeah, I, this is a test of the BP40. It's come up the last couple of weeks. Of course, Stephen's been using it in his microphone test. I haven't had it out in a while. So I'm like, yeah, as long as we're doing all these microphone tests, I'll give it another spin and we'll see how it goes later in the show. But we got a lot. We teased last week at the end of the last episode, you have some monitor things to talk about oh i teased it and i'm not going to wait till the end to bring it out again i think you need to go for it i think (laughs) you (laughs) need to sure the tease is out there you need to complete that and otherwise we're gonna you know piss our listeners off and we don't want (laughs) to do that so go ahead what's going on with your monitor
1: such foul language uh yeah no so i mentioned this before actually on the show uh, either last week or the week before but i did finally go to a larger screen Um, It's now a 43-inch monitor, I believe it is. It's a 43-inch, I think is what I said. Um, It's 43, 42, something like that. And it is a 4K monitor. Now, here's the challenge that I've been having with that is that 4K is not great to work with, like as far as a resolution goes and the way that programs adapt to the 4K. And what I mean by that is like, if you think about a higher resolution, that means that Things are smaller on screen because instead of being a button meant for, say, like, you know, a 1920 by 1080 monitor, you're now going over a larger resolution and thus they appear smaller even on such a large monitor. Well, there is what's called scaling and scaling is an important process often for people who are using higher resolution monitors and using software that you're not benefiting at that time too much by having it really tiny. And and what happens when you have scaling involved with your monitors, or with with not even your monitors, with your software, is that it's essentially going to waste some of that resolution. So it's going to make things basically put a magnifying glass on the program and make it a little bit larger. And I have to say, from an editing perspective, I want uh, to find a balance because with something like editing, I want to use more of that resolution, which means I do want things to be a little bit smaller because I want more tracks visible on my monitors. However, I also don't want the little edit icons to be so small that I can't even see them right. So you kind of have to use scaling to a degree to find a balance. And one of the things that I've been running into is that the window scaling that's involved with... With Windows, where you can go in and you can say, I I want to put it at this size. And and I found about 120% is about right. You know, not too much wasted resolution. Things start to look a little bit easier to see and whatnot. Programs don't always work very well with it. Sometimes they open great, other times I, I open up a program and it looks really small. And then I restart the program, and there you go. Now it's loaded with the proper scaling. And this is the same thing that's happened with DaVinci Resolve. Is, is what I found is if I leave no scaling on at all. I end up in a situation where the buttons are very small. But if I put scaling on, it's more manageable. I get that balance of a lot of tracks, but also the icons are are manageable. But every now and then I'll open up DaVinci Resolve and everything will be super tiny. So I got to reboot it. And, and this is sort of a problem that has happened for a while on the Windows side of things. You can see all sorts of videos out there with people complaining about Windows scaling and problems with it. But it goes more than just Windows. In fact, coincidentally, uh, while I was doing my monitor upgrade, uh, I was talking to somebody who was getting into the Mac side of things, and they were going to go with one of the new Mac minis, and they were going to go and get themselves a higher resolution monitor. Well, they started to do some research, and they ended up finding that scaling is, is a problem on Mac as well, even from a resource perspective. There was this great video, I watched it, I'm not a Mac guy, so I kind of mostly in one ear and out the other. But what this person found, they did a bunch of technical explanations was they found that when you're using a Mac and you want to get you want to basically stick within a couple specific resolutions. Otherwise, the scaling on on Mac ends up basically taking hitting the resources quite heavily and slows down your computer compared to this sweet spot. And I want to say it was like around 2K and around 4K sort of thing. Um, but I might be wrong on that because I know the the um, IMAX, I believe they are using like a 4.5K screen. But anyways, it was something like that. And so this whole scaling thing is sort of a, a bit of a problem I've discovered since I got the higher resolution monitor. But you kind of need to when you go beyond the 1440, in my opinion, it's just too small for most eyes. And I'm talking about using a 44-inch screen, which is going to make those things bigger because I have a larger screen. I couldn't imagine running 4K natively for half of these apps on something like a 32-inch monitor. It's going to be too small for most eyes. So um, it's kind of a bit of a problem once you go go beyond it. Like when I was doing my test with a 32-inch 1440 monitor, I didn't have scaling on it. And, and I was starting to think, okay, it's a little bit small, but it's manageable. But going beyond that, um I I honestly don't see how most people would not have some level of scaling meaning that it's making the things a little bit bigger and and like I said to a degree wasting some of that resolution on those scaling applications.
0: It's a constant battle that I fight at work on my Samsung 49-inch monitor mm. that's 1080 trying to scale even something as simple like a a Chrome or an Edge browser window up and down to get the right resolution. And then you go back to another application, it's a different scale, stuff like that. So it's a constant battle that's being fought across windows. And it's really unfortunate, but it's always the drive for optimization, especially if you've got a program that needs a lot of visual cues on it with GUIs and stuff like that, like any editing program that we use. Or if it's like a large Excel file or a Google Sheet, if you will, whatever you're using for a spreadsheet, all of that then becomes an issue because not only do you want the cells to be a certain size, but you want to see the menu items as well. Constant, constant battle. I've never found I, you know what, it'd be nice to, to take a quick seminar or a, a video online or whatever to teach me everything I need to know in Windows 10 and Windows 11 about scaling for different monitors.
1: Yeah, well, I'd love to know what do people what do, people do when they're using higher resolution? Are you scaling? What sort of degree are you scaling? I know by default, when I hooked up this monitor, Windows wanted to scale at something stupid, like over 250% or something. I'm like, no, that's so much wasted resolution. I'm not going to do that. Um, but yeah, I, I'd love to know what people's experiences have been with that um, Windows and the Mac side of things. But uh, get in touch with us through any of the ways. But it's just one of those quirks that, I recently came across just by doing a bit of an upgrade, something I've never had to worry about before because I've always been at 1080 or below resolution. And uh, yeah, it was it was a new thing for me to figure out in my process.
0: Something that we did last time is I unboxed the replacement Rodecaster Pro 2. We were taking a look at it. It was definitely a pre-owned unit that had been uh, tested i don't know if anything was wrong with it but it was tested and sent back if something was wrong with it hopefully it was fixed did and you do the dna test yet no i have not done the dna okay. and, the, and by now it's probably useless but uh, <laughs> good. if i ha- would have had the dna kit here i probably would have gone ahead and done that so i want to we just unboxed it i didn't plug it in so i want to go through a few things as i plugged it in i did get it running I used it on a show last week. I used it on a show last night. So I've used it twice. It's been working as promised, and the sound pads have not been firing off. But in the exchange, here are a few items that I note. It did come with the latest firmware, which is astounding to me because they had run through the four different firmware upgrades in 13 days that we talked about last time. It came at firmware 1.1.4, which is the current newest firmware and was the current newest firmware that I had updated my original board to. Now, I did set the board up manually. I powered both Rodecaster Pro 2s on and I looked at the setting on my original one and I adapted that setting to the new one. I did change a few things. I did add some more sound pad sound effects, for instance, and I did Uh, tweak a couple of the settings that I had changed in the advanced settings. I think it was largely like noise gating and stuff like that. So I set it up manually and it kind of irked me. I was like, I didn't even look, I should have looked, but I was like, there's gotta be a way to port everything over. And I said that back in because Road had emailed me and they're like, well, how's it going? And I emailed back, okay, well, I sent the item back. It should be on the way back to you now. You should have it on tracking. I think it arrived today, but I'll have to go back and make sure it was scheduled to arrive today anyway. And I told him about my manual update and I said, I, I just wish that there was a way to do it. And I said, there is. You export the show settings to your SD card. Now, on Surface, yeah, that's great. There is a way to save your entire show. All, everything that's on there, I, I believe, including the sound pad uh, uh, sounds like the waves or MP3s or whatever you got in there. So I think it's great that you can do that. However, here is my issue with that. I wish there was another way to save, to export the files, either to another drive or maybe on your computer or something like that. I would prefer another way. Because the SD card is not accessible on these things. It's in the back. It is right above the Ethernet port, which I have it plugged in to my internet via Ethernet so I could update. I do not have it on Wi-Fi because I'm trying to reduce the amount of signals in the house, just reduce the amount of interference in the house, especially around the office where there's so many things that are connecting via Wi-Fi all at once, tablets, phones, computers, you know, whatever. I just want to limit that. So I've got it plugged into the ethernet cord and then I'm just right above it. You can't, you can hardly, I had to take a fricking needle nose pliers to get the thing positioned in order to go in and it's on the back and the back is generally where you've got it stuffed like against a wall or underneath a ledge or something like that. Like I have, it's really not accessible. Probably it, a lot of people said it was A not a good attribute of the system Mm -hmm. when they were initially reviewing it because they're like, it should be on the side or on the front where it's a little bit more accessible. But they put everything on the back, every port on the back, including the SD card. So because of that, and because it's only on the SD card, the way I use SD cards is I will fill them up and then I will put a new SD card in. So it's not like I can save the show settings to the current SD card that I'm using and then expect that backup to be there when I go to the next show and, you know, just delete the recordings. When the SD card is full, I put it out, pull it out and put a new card in. So if something happens or more likely than not, since I know how to do this, I can export a show and then import a new show with all the settings changed for that. And I would need a new as I basically, the problem is I would have to change out the SD cards and the SD cards are impossible to change out. Like I do it every couple of months when they fill up and okay. But if I'm doing it every day, if I was producing every day, that would be as annoying as crap. So I wish there was a different way to export the files. And honestly, I have not the show setting files. That is, I have not looked to see if there is a way they just told me, there is a way through the SD card. And then when I go through the menu, that is the only option to choose. So I'm assuming that's the only way. If there's another way, please let me know. Anybody that's listening, Road, if you happen to be listening, just let me know. And that would be awesome to have. So that was one of the things that I ran into. It did take me, I don't know, an hour or so because I was being very meticulous and going through every single setting to make sure it was the same and i had sent it back by the time they told me i could export the show so i did not have the original uh-huh. show export around so i have what i have right now but it was it was good I, like I said i used it twice i used it in a strange new worlds fan cast that i did um, that's another thing we might talk about later i did last week and then i used it for Better podcasting chats with SP. Don't confuse it with this show. Better podcasting live chat last night. So it seems to be working. Seems to we were confined. I've been editing. I edited the first show. I'm editing the second show. So it seems to be fine. That's but good. I just wish that SD card was in. So hopefully that is the last we will ever hear about the Roadcaster Pro 2 soundpad issues for SP. Unless I put a separate video out there, like on Guinea Geek Gear channel or something like that.
1: Uh, Your sound pad's going off right now. You can't hear that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I want to press one right now, but I'm not going to. Okay,
1: I have a question on the project uh, the saving of the show or saving, you know, exploring the show. On like the Zoom recorders, when you save a show, um, you go and, and there ends up being a file. Like I remember this was on the L12 and the L8, it's on the SD card. Is there a visible file on on the SD card if you insert it? And if so, when you go browsing through the file browser, um, whichever way you do that through through USB, is the file visible on there?
0: Good question. I meant to look into that, so maybe we'll do it last time. It's on this SD card okay. that I have right here. I could put it in the computer right now, but it's it's I'm gonna have to reflash over there. <laughs> yeah, so,
1: and you don't want to break something. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I guess we'll have to revisit that next week. So this is not the last time you've heard about it, I guess. Sorry.
1: I'm glad to hear, though, it's working for you. And you can start up your RCP2 now without actually having it play randomly.
0: Yeah, that was like the the day that I switched it out. I had to turn it on because I I think it was the show. Yeah, we were doing the show and I did the unboxing. And when I turned it on for the show, it started to play. I'm like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) i need to get rid of this thing
1: <laughs> uh while we're talking about the road pla- the road plasters too uh we had a comment in our chat and it was actually about the latency we had a uh, gregory say hi sp what's your take on the rcp2's latency headphones real-time monitoring i left a to comment on youtube video from yesterday's session since you have been using your unit for a few months is it something you got used to if so that means that I just got to suck it up and give it more time until I don't realize that it's there. I cannot. Um, and then you I had actually went in there and you'd asked about about the latency amount. And uh, he clarified and he said, I cannot measure it. But what Curtis Judd did sounds reasonable. He calculated six milliseconds, regardless of whether or not processing was enabled. So it's about a six millisecond latency. And I want to know, is it something that you've ever noticed?
0: Well, first of all, I'll have to ask you, do you have you ever noticed any sort of latency with the Rodecaster Pro OG?
1: You know, once this comment came up, I got to say, I think that I have and I've been used to it. And the reason why I think it's it's something that I've been used to is because when we first started using the Zoom L12, it is something that I believe that I noticed right away because I sound I, I commented on it sort of sounding distorted. And at the time, whether it was our chat room or somebody else, they said it's probably a little latency in the DAC that I'm hearing. And that's why I feel like it's a little bit distorted. And pretty much after that point, I've just been on digital mixers. And I do feel like there's this sort of quality that I I feel almost feels like distortion. But when you play back, it's not. And I think that it's the slight latency that I hear in between my talking and it coming through. Now, I could be totally wrong. Maybe it's not. But I feel like that's there. And if you're somebody coming from an analog mixer, you might not notice that. And and my mind has been clouded because how many years ago was it that we did the L12? Yeah,
0: that must that, I probably goes back to 2016. I'd have to go back and look and see when we started uh, podcasting with that and mentioning it on podcasts. I will say when I was first responding to these comments, I was like, yeah, I, I really haven't noticed it. And originally I said I did notice it like when I was editing. But after this comment came out, I was editing something. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's the latency. So I wasn't noticing any distortion, but it was really prevalent to me on the editing because even I, I thought I was misaligning or not syncing the audio and the video on something it was really noticeable to me and i was like man what is going on and i think it was because i had my headphones on because there were people in the house that were doing things i really noticed it with headphones on well i took the headphones off cuz i'm like well is this better any better with the speakers or the monitors the speaker monitors wh- however you want to call them and i was noticing the exact same thing it, there was a delay from when I was seeing the waveform and the cursor go by the waveform to when I was hearing it, like almost a full word. And if there were short words, but almost a full word. And I was like, am I that far off on my syncing? Turns out I wasn't. I was synced exactly where I should be, but I was hearing the latency. Now, I haven't noticed any distortion. It's clear to me, but it's also clear to me that I am seeing the waveform and I'm hearing it later than I'm seeing it. So after this comment came out, and I think after I responded to it, Gregory, I want to update you is that I have noticed a latency, but it doesn't bug me because I have been able to reset my mind to, okay, that's where it is. And if I was going through something else into my speakers like the audio interface that I was talking about a couple weeks ago, the Motu M2, if I would set that up, I bet you I would definitely notice it. But because I went to a completely new system, it took two days to change everything over. I did not notice when it had shifted because it wasn't an immediate shift. I went from one configuration two days later to another configuration. So I just I didn't notice it then, but... Every time this comes up, yeah, I do notice it. I think Joshua Liston has also said something about latency as well. I think we talked about it before. And I, again, I'm noticing it when I edit.
1: Pop quiz, though, for you. How many milliseconds are in a second?
0: I wouldn't want to say a thousand. It's a thousand.
1: It's a thousand. And and if Gregory's information is true, we're talking six milliseconds. So if... Like, think about what that means, like, like how, uh, how sure. little uh, of a delay that would be. So I kind of feel like if it's something that someone's seeing with the latency, maybe that's unrelated to this, this uh, monitoring lag, mm. right? Like, I almost wonder if maybe there's an additional USB latency or something like that, right? Maybe, maybe there's a different one there. But if he's talking just strictly monitoring and and that being hard for him to hear himself back at six milliseconds, you know, I I feel like six milliseconds, you're going to get used to it eventually because that's such a small amount, I feel like.
0: You say that it's a distortion. I'm not hearing the distortion. So can you describe the distortion that you're hearing? I wish
1: I almost like when I hear it, if I try to think back to what I first noticed when it was the L12, it was almost like I wasn't so smooth. It was almost like I was a little more... Like rough, a little more like a little more gravelly, almost.
0: So from your voice to what you were hearing in your ears. Yeah, it it, was okay.
1: It feels a little more gravelly, sort of, to a very small degree. I just remember bringing it up with the L12. And and I I feel like if I think about it, I hear it now as well. But it's something that I I I doesn't bother me. I've gotten used to it. I didn't ever really thought about it until this conversation came up because L12 was how many years ago? And I remember commenting on it and then just kind of forgetting about it.
0: All right. Well, that makes more sense to me if it's something in your ear. Normally, when I'm listening to myself, I'm listening for background noise. I'm listening to make sure my levels are okay, but I'm not listening to am I speaking? Is it the exact same time that I'm speaking? And with all the cords and everything that I have, like the feet of cords, like the dozens of feet of cord I have, both with my headphones and with the microphone, I could just assume I'd have to do the calculations to see exactly what the latency would be just with the cords alone, not to mention all the processing. Yeah, I would (laughs) gather that there would be some sort of differentiation between my voice and what I'm hearing in my ears. So I get it now.
1: By the way. In the live chat, Johnny Pennington is commenting about how there is a five-second uh, delay on network television that's live in case there is cursing in the U.S. Uh, so maybe we should just start monitoring ourselves with a five-second delay. Will that work out?
0: <laughs> no. No, no won't. that won't. <laughs> no.
1: Hey, can I give you an update about the, uh, the, the microphone stand situation that we talked about a couple,
0: couple weeks ago? Yeah, that was uh, very intriguing to me. You were looking at some of the newer microphone stands in the same price range. Yeah. pretty hard.
1: Yeah, I, I got a bit of a boring update. Um, pretty sure I'm just going to stick with the Heil PL2T for now. <laughs> and and the reason wah, wah. I know, and the reason why I think is is the reach works. I've got two of them. I was able to quiet one of them down a little bit. I'll try to do the second one. I uh, try to quiet it a little bit. Um, I know you're not really supposed to lubricate them because it can cause problems with you know the tension and everything but i i've got big i got big mics being used on them it'll be fine um so i think i'm gonna go with that just see how much lo- they're still working the other ones looked a little bit shorter than i would prefer uh the only one that is still kind of on the list is the uh the road psa one plus that one still is a little bit on my my mind if it goes on still, maybe I'll think about it because I think that reach would be just fine. And there's a couple of things in it that actually look pretty good on it um, as well. Uh, I mean, you know, why wouldn't I want to have a big road logo on my mic stand, right?
0: <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't mind it. I guess some people do mind logos on their mic stands. I actually did. I Yeah. So my microphone stand right now, I actually have a 90 degree that I put on it. Because the extension, in order to get the microphone down, I have deliberately flipped it around so that the logo <laughs> is not looking at the camera. So you've never seen the company that this ninety degree—it's it, not an—it's it, like an adjustable angle. You've never seen it.
1: No, but do you, so. do you know what's funny though? On because we're both using high LPL two Ts right for for our arms. Yes, and um, it's funny. So I ended up getting a second one um, that was from somebody else, and and I don't know when they got it, but. Mine says Heil PL2T on it. The one that I got just says Heil. There's no PL2T on it. Oh, yeah. it's.
0: Interesting. Do you think the individual that it came from had rubbed the other, the no. rest of it off? Maybe?
1: No, I think maybe they just didn't have it at one point. And then they went, hey, yeah. people are using it. Let's uh, ah. let's advertise because mine had a different clamp, too, that was a little bit newer. And there was something else on it that I thought looked newer about mine.
0: I was going to say, if memory serves, if I'm understanding where this microphone arm came from, the individual, I think, got it years before you did. So I could see a style difference. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Do you mind? I have two rants today. Okay. Do you you mind if we go through one? Well,
1: is this the usual rant where you rant about how I say all things wrong because I'm Canadian? Because sure, go ahead.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Stephen, you're wrong. You're Canadian. <laughs> All right. No. Uh, so I was noticing some chatter. If you don't know this, I'm also a moderator on the R podcasting subreddit, one of the bigger subreddits for podcasters on Reddit. And there was some chatter there over the last few weeks, months, really. And then I was seeing some stuff on Twitter and it was advice coming from other podcasters to podcasters about how to do their show. And one of the things that they kept saying was, you got to get straight to the point. You have to get to the point. YouTube has said this forever. You you can't go through these elaborate intros. People will stop watching. They want to hear your information and go straight to the point, which I understand for certain videos, like how-to videos or something like that. But for a podcast, a podcast, not just an informational like an infomercial or a commercial or a this is how to or anything like that but a podcast like I don't agree with that and they might throw any number of statistics at me a number of people will say I will never listen to your show SP, well, fine if if that's the way you feel about it that's not how I'm going to produce my show I'm not going to get straight to the point. I'm not going to ramble for 30 minutes before I get to my topic, but I'm not going to get straight to the point. And here's why. A podcast is a podcast. It is not an audiobook. It is not a seminar. It is not, we are going to get straight to the point. A podcast is a relationship that you are building with a listener. The listener is probably going to get to know you over time. Having a little introduction, a little way forward, a little time to get your listener used to the fact that you are now talking to them. Maybe you're backing out of the driveway. Maybe you're walking out of the house with the dog and you need to lock the door up. Maybe you need to do something for a couple of seconds before you start listening. You know, you press play and then you got you are like doing the dishes or whatever and you got to get the soap or whatever and it distracts you to the point where you have something you have to do, okay, so there's time for that. Again, I'm not talking about even a 10-minute intro, five-minute. I Take a couple of minutes. Go through what you need to. Get that chemistry going with your co-host or your guest, if that's what's going on. If you want the straight information, there is this wonderful thing out there called audiobooks. Now, audiobooks might not get straight to the point either. There might be advertisements or whatever at the start, but that's the sort of thing that you want. You want to press play and you want to hear it. A podcast is a relationship it, it, just as much as it is whatever else you're giving in, in terms of value, whether it's entertainment, information, whatever. It's a relationship. That is how you build and you keep listeners over time. I disagree with this advice now Stephen, you and i had a, co- a conversation a, a internet discord a text back and forth basically over this you came up with some stipulations which i completely agree with but on the whole i'm just saying i hate this advice i hate hearing it i hate you need to change your show to do this i would much prefer saying okay don't take forever to get your stuff but getting straight to the point i hate that
1: Yeah, I think there's some exceptions to the rule. Uh, I I think like audiobooks are are an or an audiobooks. I think audio dramas and, you know, storytelling podcasts, um, if they're going to put too much up front, I think that that that's not a good idea. I think, though, where it it, it, there's a very big differentiation between that and audiobooks is the fact that audiobooks, yeah, you would pretty much be right to the point, right, as opposed to a podcast where you do have something maybe it is a little introduction maybe it is is something leading into it i do think though that the the other side of the coin though that needs to be also recognizes my opinion is that it's not five years ago and and unfortunately listening habits have changed and so you used to be able to have a big long off off topic intro and that's not the society we live in anymore you know you've got so much stuff that's just coming up so fast that you do need to tease people sooner and i I would say like a, a great example of the way that there there's it's not one or the other is the new tv formats and and the way that they have changed they no longer have a big long intro But they also don't get straight to the episode either. And what I mean by that is sometimes there's a recap, but putting that aside, usually there's a little upfront tease from something with the episode sitcoms. Usually it's a little quick joke before they get into their their very short five second intro that exists now with something that's a drama. Usually you've got an opening scene of some form that is just like, you know, like going to be built off in the episode or sometimes they even flashback but it's it's almost this this marriage of the two concepts where you have you have a, a significantly shortened format compared to where TV was years ago when you did have the big long credits and you did have a, l- a lot of build into the episode but you also aren't bam right into that story you've got something up front to hook people and so that's where i think with podcasting there's absolutely merit to to the idea of putting an intro or something to connect with your people up front. That's what they're doing with TV. They're putting a, a scene up front that is making the listener go, "Hey, I want to keep watching. Hey, I, 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 I'm connecting with this episode. I'm not going to drop off this episode. I've been on the fence, right? And so, so without that, you know, without that, you're going right into to the the build through the rest of your episode, which is is not something that TV does currently. They they do the the, the both of it on the flip side they don't have that big long 5 minute intro anymore it's like you know that, that's not that's a thing right like you know there there is difference and you've even seen that with like talk shows they've changed things up quite a bit to to sort of massage that opening now and so i think that that uh, yeah you don't you want to still connect with your listener but i think that If someone's not recognizing that where we were five years ago is not where we are now, I think that that's going too far the other end of things. That's my take.
0: I would agree that you need some sort of hook up front, whether that's a cold opening or like a pre-scene, like what you're talking about. I don't even know what it's called. I'll just call it a pre-scene. It's off the top of my head or something. I, I would agree that you need something. And I would also agree, as I stated before, that you can't take too long to get to the point, right? but. Again, a podcast is more about relationship building than anything else. People are going to come to you for some reason. If it's just knowledge, okay, maybe do it straight to the point right there. But on a whole, I think the advice to everyone to get straight to the point is wrong. And I think it needs to be metered. Maybe it applies to your show. I don't think so by the way, but uh, you know, percentage-wise. But probably doesn't it it probably you need to do some sort of lead in to hook somebody and then get into your content just getting straight into the content those cold openings of people just starting their conversation or starting their podcast whatever it is monologue it's just okay I'll listen to it. I also won't listen to podcasts that have like 10 minutes of ads up front or even two (laughs) minutes of ads. If I have to press my 30 second forward button more than three times, odds are I will not listen to your podcast. So there there's a little thing about too much advertisement and advertisement placement. Right. But if I am listening to an intro That's fine for a while. I even will get bored after a little while. So if you're not engaging, if you're not telling me something interesting, then I'll move on. But you don't have to get straight to the topic. Anyway, that's just my viewpoint. And again, tell me I'm wrong. That's fine. That's what I'm here for. Tell SP he's wrong. But uh, yeah, that's my little rant is I disagree with that. I also disagree with the concept. You were saying like intros have gotten shorter. I think they've gotten too short. I think they need to expand that out just a little bit because in some cases, it's just a little, little stinger, like a two second stinger with like, I don't know, words on the screen or something like that. I think that's too short. I think you need to expand that.
1: I I love me an intro. I'll confess it. I, I love me an intro. Sometimes I'll sit through an intro. I love me an intro on the podcast. Um. With that said, often I use the skip button. So, like, like if I separate, as I say, like a thousand times, if I separate my thought process and my actions from my my history and my um, I don't know what what do you call it? Your your um passion for the past, whatever you want to call it, the nostalgia for for the old days of watching the Enterprise D go a thousand different times past the screen. I feel like, yeah, a shorter intro is the logical path right now because I often do hit skip. But then there's the nostalgia in me that just loves it. It just takes it all in. Uh, We did have, by the way, on this topic, Damien, the DM, say, uh, even professional audiobooks cover some intro bases, like who the production company and narrators are. We are a storytelling show, kind of get to the point. We might spend a few minutes on shout-outs that are relevant to the show and thus perhaps the community. If we don't, though, it's basically Patreon shout-out, player intro, network pre-roll, previously on episode... Um, in those kind of episodes, you're in the previously on by like two minutes. And in the episode in three, one actual play I listened to does such a good job with the teaser clips from the episode. And I wish I could replicate them, but it would be a ton of editing work to edit, find the clips, move the tracks and then edit the teaser. So, yeah, he's talking about the idea of, of, you know, finding that balance with his storytelling podcast of putting some stuff up front but not making it too long and i don't know like that sounds good to me like two to three minutes like that that sounds quite reasonable but
0: i i would agree and that's also not getting straight to the point yeah there is two or three minutes in there so that's where also by the way he says also sp is wrong which to (laughs) that i'm gonna say i'm gonna refer you to contact my agent and the two of you can figure it all out
1: yeah, yeah, go go do that I, in the chat go uh, Damien, go talk to SP's agent
0: <laughs> uh, hey, before we get into my next rant, can we go into uh can we can go back to what Rob had to say about his issue? so we were talking about two different audio issues at the end of the podcast last week. we were talking about a issue that Rob from smoking and drinking in capes came up with, and we were also talking about Another issue that waffles was talking about. So Rob posted a picture of his setup in discord. And I was saying it's a very tight setup and he didn't have a lot of space for uh, an audio interface and he posted the picture and you can see there's not really a space, the space that the audio interface would go into. If you go to our discord server and you're looking at the picture is basically under his headphones, that's the size, that's it. There is nothing else. Unless you got like maybe a RODECaster Pro 2 and you were able to mount it on the back and, you know, the the swivel thing and be able to do that. He doesn't have the money for a RODECaster Pro 2. I don't blame him. It is a lot of money. So that's not going to be a possibility. So he's looking for an audio interface that would fit in that spot. So we're talking about the Go XLR Mini being a possibility or maybe something like a Vocaster 1, which is by Focusrite or like the Wave XLR that both had mute buttons, but they didn't have an onboard DSP. So anyway, in the post, he said, just watch the end of Better Podcasting Live chat. I agree with Steven's comments on sucking it up. I currently do it all in post. My wish list is more for a future setup and having to do a lot less in post. My space constraint is because of where I have to record currently. And Steven is uh, arduously trying to put this picture up in the uh discord not the discord server but on screen if you're watching this either on twitch or on youtube wherever you find it so what i'm talking about the space is right underneath those headphones with the red pads on them that is where they are so uh, if you can suggest to him a inexpensive DSP with a mute audio interface, USB audio interface that would f- fit in there that is not called the Go XLR Mini by TC Helicon, then he would appreciate it.
1: The other thing while we're talking about this is I, I would love if people would go to um, even go to the show notes. I'll make sure to put a link to this in the show notes um, at the end. And if you don't want to come to our Discord, Waffles on his conversation. He ended up uh, putting a diagram in of his his signal chain. And it's something that I don't think will actually translate well to talking about on this podcast, because it is a bit of a complex chain. And I don't think anybody is going to really follow it from an audio perspective. But if you can come to our Discord, come there, because then you can look it up in the Better Podcasting channel and you can see his diagram. But otherwise, I'll put a link to that in in there. And I'd love to see if anybody has any comments on there. There's a few different pieces of equipment involved. And that's part of the problem. Um, My gut tells me based off of him having pieces of external hardware and captured audio, um, maybe there's a little more noise cleanup that can be done just because because I feel like there might be a little bit of some form of noise that's being added in this process that isn't actually being picked up by the microphone. But anyways, there's there's a whole bunch of questions I have. I, I look forward to digesting that a little more and having other people comment. But please go to uh, betterpodcasting.com. Go to episode 44 of the live chats over there. You will see in the notes, there will be a link to both uh, the picture, the diagram that Waffles has provided, as well as the uh, photo that we just mentioned a minute ago from Rob.
0: So Stephen, I'm holding something in my hand. That is an amazing piece of machinery for what it is. I love, I can't, I know, Blue Yeti, you amazing. (laughs) Yeah, right. It's called the Zoom PodTrack P4. It's on sale, $150 a US these days. And it's got four XLR inputs. It's got four headphones out. It's got four sound pads that you can use. You can hook it up to your computer And not only use it as an audio interface, but record. And you can also hook it up via Bluetooth to a device. It would take a channel up in both cases, but you can do that. It's just an amazing piece of equipment that I wish both of us would have been able to have when we started podcasting. I I really do. It would have saved us so much uh, in terms of, of pain trying to figure out audio on the cheap.
1: A hundred percent agree. And uh, here's the kicker about it is that there are some people who would like to complain about the lower recording quality on it and things like that. Um, I, I personally, I have had many a times where I have either podcasted using adapters and things and, and horrible preamps on the road, which totally diminished the quality of my recording, or I didn't do an episode that week. Those were the options. And this thing, if I had had that, when I had all of those times I used to travel regularly, yes, maybe it's a little lower bit rate and, and a a little, or not bit rate, a little lower, um, uh, what do you, it, it's
0: not—it's—it's it's bit. It's, it bit it's bit, uh, yeah.
1: It's not bit rate, but it's—you know—it's like 16 bit instead of bit. 24 or whatever, yes. right? Like, okay, sure. That is still better than when I was using a uh, iRig plugged into a series of adapters into a Zoom H1 using a, some weird USB side method into my computer on the road, like that. Equipment that I totally would have picked one up for forever when I used to travel regularly wouldn't have thought twice about it because it would have simplified the process and produced far better quality than all of those times that i I traveled doing this series of hodgepodgeness
0: I was in a conversation in a thread a comment section on the R podcasting subreddit with an individual that could not understand why the zoom p4 capabilities couldn't be a little bit better on the audio side and they wanted either 24 or 32 bit which 32 would be that that's another discussion that we're going to have but the definitely 24 and be able to go from the sample rate of 44.1 kilohertz to 48 kilohertz 44.1 kilohertz of cd quality 40 or 48 kilohertz is more in line what video does so that's what a lot of people's issues are with the zoom p4 is that it doesn't do video quality recording because it's not 48 kilohertz okay i i get it i get it's a pain i get that you're going to have some translation possible loss in the audio however if you're on a tight budget $150 $150 on sale, 200 maybe, I guess, uh, normal price. I forget what the normal price is. Still gets you a heck of a lot of capabilities. So the conversation went in terms of, okay, so if you want all the capabilities of this and you want the better recording quality, the higher bit rate and the higher sample rate, you are entering into a device that will cost as it's a recorder and audio interface, somewhere between 500 and a thousand dollars that encompasses the Rodecaster Pro, the Rodecaster Pro 2, it would encompass like the sound devices, Pre, the Tascam, MixCast 4, all those sorts of devices that can do 24-bit recording at 48 kilohertz and be an audio interface and do all that other stuff. It's $500 to $1,000. So you're talking three to six times more than what this is. And the individual couldn't understand why why it would cost that much more. And to be honest, I don't know. I suspect it's because the hardware in here is incapable of doing that. What they wanted to do is zoom to release a firmware update that would change this from 16 bits to enable uh, 24 bit, 44 kilohertz recording. I don't even know if that's possible hardware wise with, with the hardware that's in here, it might be hardware limited. I do not know. I have not taken mine apart. I do not plan to take mine apart, but, uh, I think there, if you're going to go the inexpensive route, then you're going to have to give something up. And I will say 16 bit, 44.1 kilohertz sounds just fine on a podcast.
1: Absolutely. That's why I'm sitting here for the video viewers are seeing me dance around and everything, because I was just about to say, I get it. I get that there's more you can do to, when you have a higher bit depth. Thank you, Damien, in our chat. Um, I get that there's more that you can do. There's some more forgiveness. But you know what? In the photo side of things, there's a lot more forgiveness you can do when you shoot a raw photo versus JPEG. But you know what? Most people who take pictures or who are going to be printing them and sending them, they take JPEGs because it is more in line with their final destination of what they're going to do with that. And raw photos take up more space. they're, They're harder to manage. And they don't have a use on average for that. If your podcast is eventually being sampled down to something that is going to be in the realm of 128 kilobits per second and you're somebody that's going to be putting it out there and the majority of your listeners are gonna be listening to you in a car or a substandard audio do you do you really need all of that yes there there's absolutely cases that people will say by having the higher depth i can do this i can manipulate this more and whatnot but is, is that a requirement or is that a nice to have? There's there's a difference there. And when we're talking about a hobby podcaster budget, which if you're going to be considering this device, that's the reality. You're in a hobby podcaster budget right now. You're not in a, in a professional budget for the price of the P4. Then, then are your expectations in reality? I don't think so. If you're wanting high quality on that low, like super high, professional level quality On that price point. So, anyways, I I agree with you.
0: (laughs) I'm glad I'm not the only one that had the rant tonight. And part of why this is kind of important this week is that Rode introduced a new NT1 fifth generation condenser microphone. We wouldn't recommend it for most hobby podcasters because it is a condenser microphone. You're not going to be recording in a controlled audio space or a treated audio space. So it's just going to be better for you to use a dynamic microphone. You mean how like I'm pretty sure that
1: I heard my wife in the background during my rant there? Is is that what you mean? Even though I'm on a dynamic (laughs) microphone and if I had a condenser, it would have been a thousand times worse.
0: Oh, yeah, we would have heard that. Definitely. So anyway, that came out this week. And there are two benefits to this microphone. First of all, it has basically an onboard sound card. They're using the same effects that you get with the uh, the same affects processing that you get with the roadcaster pro 2 and it also comes with a usb c connection inside the xlr connection so you can't use both at the same time anymore like you can use multiple other usb and xlr microphones but their point is you don't have to especially if you use the Rode connect software you can use multiple usb microphones so you can connect straight to your usb hub or your computer and use it that way i don't think I'll be recommending that either until it's proven and that we hear that there is not a loss of recorded data because we're big on having some backups. And usually when you're doing USB, you don't have that many backups. When you're recording straight to your DAW, usually it's just to your DA or wherever you're streaming from or something like that. And if you do add an additional program, that's just an additional tax on your computer and some computers to this day can't handle all of that. So we don't generally advocate for that for most hobby podcasters. If you're on a higher budget and you have higher level capabilities, hardware capabilities in your machine, that might be one thing, but usually there's something that happens. So having that backup recording like we do on our devices, is always great. Also, like I said, with the condenser microphone, however, because of the onboard processing that it has, it's basically an audio interface all on its own. Even with the XLR, it is outputting 32 bit depth. And they call it 32-bit float, which means you can never clip on it. And even if you do clip, you can recover the data so that you can make it not clipping. Clipping is one of the worst audio situations that you can get into. There are several. But clipping is one that you really cannot recover from unless you have additional information that you can recover from. And if you go to the Rode official videos on this, you can see the, the video... Uh, depiction of of how and why that's important. You just have so much more information to deal with that on an exponential level at 32-bit from even 24-bit, much less 16-bit, that you can recover from those situations. You can also recover from situations and process. If you have a lot of background data, you can help to bring that out. There is a signal-to-noise ratio floor that you're going to run into at any point in time. But the 32-bit float is an evolutionary step forward that's going to help a lot of hobby podcasters eventually. I do not, I, re- I will, I will foot stomp that. I do not recommend the NT1 for most hobby podcasters. If you're doing voice work or voiceover or something like that, and you have a semi-treated audio space, awesome go for it. This mic might be your microphone to have. I know a lot of VO people that use a road NT one or NT one a go for it. But if you're a hobby podcaster and that's all you're doing or a streamer, you might want to back away from this just because it's a condenser microphone.
1: I look forward to hearing more about it because you know where my mind goes, uh, It goes to the uh, Shure MV7 versus the Shure MV7X. And for those of you who don't know that this, the the Shure MV7 uh, is a microphone that Shure came out with, I believe it was last year. And it's it's inspired by the SM7B. And the MV7 has an XLR output and a USB output. Well, then they made the MV7X. And uh, Shure claims that the MV7X is the same hardware from an analog perspective as what is in the MV7. However, I have seen numerous tests where they have compared the MV7 to the MV7X, and they have found that something in there has caused the analog connection to not be as good, the mic not to sound as good, on the MV7 versus the MV7X and i wonder if this is because maybe there's like almost like a signal split or something because if you've got a microphone that has has two things going on where it can put out an analog signal or it can put out a digital signal presumably that that signal's getting split somewhere along the way because that's essentially two outputs from the microphone and so i i'm curious like if someone is and there's my like again i don't know where that's coming from lately but but is this something similar to that where you might find if you're going to be using an XLR version of this, may, maybe the USB one, the one that has the USB capability, has a difference in sound. Maybe it's beneficial. Maybe it's it's detrimental. I don't know. I, or will it be the same? That's what I'm curious about.
0: The only thing I can point to is even if you use something like the Samsung QTU, you, your gain is different via USB and via XLR, and and maybe that's just because the audio interface or mixer that you're plugging into is able to give it a little bit more gain than the audio card that's inside the Samsung Q2U. But there is a difference in the output that you generally get with the two. So if you have that device and you are connecting via USB because it's there and that's how you use it, well, great. I I hope you're getting enough gain. But most of the time we recommend using some sort of an audio interface or uh, I, I guess that would be what you'd need is an audio interface in order to get extra gain because you're going to have to connect at XLR in order to do that. So that's the only equivalent that I could say. I don't think you're going to have the issue with the fifth generation Rode NT1. I think, who knows? I, I haven't seen any actual test of it, but I, I'm just guessing that that won't be an issue because even with a low or uh, gain recorded, you can bring that up especially given the 32-bit float.
1: Uh, in the chat, by the way, following up to our discussion about the P4, Liberty Dude said, which by the way, hi, Liberty Dude, uh, said the reason I recommend 24-bit devices over 16 is due to the lower preamp quality on 16-bit budget devices. The Potrack P4 has good enough preamps to make this a moot point. And yeah, I I can see that. And, you know, th- that's not... What do they call that that's not nex- necessarily um that's mixing up correlation with causation is that is that what the words are or something like that where where uh, my point being that you know there probably is merit that often the lower budget the 16 bit devices might have lower quality preamp but he's also saying it's not always the case it's not always the fact that it is 16 bit that makes a lower bit rate so
0: yeah so, more to come on this, I'm sure, as we go forward. Uh, for the record, <laughs> Sorry to
1: interrupt Johnny Pennington says, So, a 32 bit depth for a Blue Yeti. Thanks for the idea, uh, advice, guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, way, way to go there. So, neither of us are planning on buying no. the Rode NT1 fifth generation for testing. We just don't believe in it for a hobby podcaster because of the condenser uh, of it. it. It's just going to ingest too much complications.
1: And we both or, have no, we both personally have sometimes external noise issues. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I just, uh, I, again, I would get it if we, either of us were seriously doing voiceover yeah. or voice acting or something like that, but neither of us are. No. So yeah, we're, we're not going to advocate that. I will pay attention to it because I know a lot of people that they just love condensers and the, it's the constant issue of, Oh, but uh condensers have the same problem as dynamics or dynamics have the same problem as condensers well it's true but there are hardware differences which make it easier and better for somebody that's in a home studio to use a dynamic it just it makes it easier to process the audio or publish the audio or if you're just streaming it it sounds better raw because of just the way it is and you don't have to deal with that ambient noise even if it's an air conditioner a wife a pet uh, truck in the background. That's a big one, in my opinion. Doesn't matter where you are. There's always this rumble that's available, no matter what the source is: truck, uh, HVAC system, uh, jet overhead, something like that. You're always gonna be in a situation where there's a potential rumble, and and that's just not good. It could even be coming from like a robot vacuum that's vacuuming the floor <laughs> outside or something like that. So it, it's it's just all. All right there. Anyway, um, we have more to talk about, but we're going to wait for next time. Can I at least say about my podcast that I find myself moonlighting on.
1: You will after this quick comment, which was <laughs> Liberty Dude saying, I don't think any of the onboard DSP on the new NT1 5th Gen works with XLR out. Not sure why they made it both. When I look at the NT1 5th Gen um, uh, specs on com, it does say patent pending dual connect output with both XLR and USB connectivity. So I'm not really sure if. Yeah, I don't know. We'll will leave that. Oh, but he's talking about the DSP. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Yeah, I misunderstood. The third, yeah. The the yeah. FX audio. So it, maybe it will sound. It probably would sound different then. So
0: I yeah, gotcha. like if you're if your device that you're plugging it into is not 32 bit, then maybe you don't get the benefit out of it. Maybe it's just USB. Oh, I guess I, that's I, what he's saying. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know either.
1: Well, there we go. I I I took us aside. to not answer a question. Go ahead though with your uh your your side quest.
0: Yeah, that's what it is. A side quest. So honestly, I am overextended right now, but it's for a limited amount of time and I'm doing it for a good cause. In my opinion, uh, we've mentioned it on a podcast before. I believe it was the better Podcasting main show. If it wasn't, uh, I'm sorry, but we have mentioned it on other shows before that, My my former co-host, Shannon, from Voices of Defiance, which was a show on the Gunna Geek Network, she suffered a massive stroke on the 24th of December. She almost fully recovered, which is unheard of, for the level of stroke that she had and resulting aneurysm. There were two different things. Uh, They still don't know what the cause was of the original stroke. Well, she is doing a podcast with her husband and another gentleman, Jake, about the star trek show strange new worlds well the star trek show picard is in its third and final season and that just started last week as we were recording this and i was texting her back and forth and i was saying hey are you guys going to be doing picard because i'm interested in hearing about picard and I'm, I'm going to be watching it and just wanted to know if they were going to continue it on that podcast and they couldn't pull it off with both of them because Sean has taken up so much time doing the stuff that Shannon can't do, that he just can't add another podcast to the rotation right now. And the Strange New World podcast was literally seasonal. It was one for one for the episodes that Strange New World released, which were 10, and that was it. So we got to talking back and forth and she said, dang it, I'm in if you're in. I was like, Uh, Okay, so I talked to her, her husband, Sean, and he's like, yeah, this is actually would be good for her. It would be good therapy to have her actually talk. She's been in the house. She can't go out and work until March 24th. So the good cause is I'm doing something for a friend and we're talking about something that I love and I've been involved in since the beginning of Star Trek. And this is kind of bringing that end to the next generation era. So I'm like, okay, I'm all in. Let's do this. So I started podcasting last week on Strange New Worlds. We're calling it the P3 edition or the Picard season three edition. I'm not taking over that show. I am simply on it for the season of Picard. So we started that. And if you want to hear that show, it's strangenewworlds.podbean.com. So I've been doing that this week. Also, Stephen, as you know, last night I had kind of a return episode after about six weeks off of Better Podcasting Chats with SP. And that episode, number 27, will be out in a couple of days as I edit it. So I've got that. We recently did a gonna Geek show. So there was that. And then I've got Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're talking about the end of the X-Men, the animated series. And then this show. Yes, I am overextended. Yes, I admit it. And yes, I messaged Steven a couple of weeks ago and I said, dude, I made a mistake. I'm overextended again. And he, he's like... Uh, we can work something out. And I'm like, no, I don't want to work something out. I just want to complain. <laughs> this is, this is, I'm overextended. So, uh, yes, I'm overextended, but I'm having fun. And it's for a very, very limited engagement. So we'll see.
1: So uh, how's your uh, golden rules of hobby podcasting working out for you there, SP? Yeah, yeah.
0: Hand slap, <laughs> hand slap, hand slap. Two shows, two shows per week. That's, uh, yeah, hand slap. T- you're so- practically
1: at two m- if you round up and use Canadian <laughs> math. <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, there are going to be a limit. I'm not editing the shows as um, as arduously as I probably should. So there there are trade-offs in the works here.
1: Uh, Liberty Dude, by the way, thanks you for uh, the SP chat. He said it was a good watch, and thanks last night. Thanks for overextending. Yeah, k- kudos to you. There's a lot of people that get a lot of good information out of that. Um, I've made it clear. I, I don't have time for more than one regular podcast right now with my current life situation, and uh, so I... I tip my non-existent hat, which I probably could grab over there if I really wanted to reach to you.
0: Well, thank you, but again, this is kind of a bat on me. Uh, I was overextended to begin with, and then the whole show came up with uh, uh, Picard season three, and I just, I was like, okay, well, I, I just, this is one of those things that you suck up, and then you do, and you know that it's going to end. And it's going to end fast. Like we're already one show in, I think it's a 10 episode season. So I only have nine weeks left to go. And then that's it. I I'm, I'm not taking, like I said, I'm not taking over the show. This is not a long-term engagement. This is a limited engagement. SP is being stupid for nine more weeks.
1: Uh, I also started a podcast, but it was canceled actually before it even debuted because there was no content for it. The podcast was about reasons why I I'm awesome. There was no content.
0: It would have been an awesome show. <laughs>
1: no, seriously. Good job on that. Please, everybody check that, that all, all of that content out. And uh, if you like Picard, check that out as well. It's awesome that Shannon's behind the mic again. That's fantastic. And uh, yeah, Picard season three. Let's hope that they stick the landing. I'm, I'll throw that in this, this hobby podcast about podcasting. Uh, first two seasons started strong, ended weak. I hope season three is not the same.
0: Well, I'll throw this out for you. If you feel like you need to talk about Picard season three, I happen to have an avenue that you can do that for the next nine weeks.
1: Oh, really? Is, is there a sci fi podcast that covers Picard?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's the Strange New Worlds Fancast. That's oh, the title Strange oh, New okay. Worlds Fancast. Okay. Oh, and also, I just want to say on the Gunny Geek Network, I know that Smoking and Drinking in Space intends on covering it in their summer watch, I believe, or at least in a few weeks. So we will have a show on it on the Get a Geek Network. Uh, this is, I, I don't want to take the place of it. It's, it. We're not going to put this on the Get a Geek Network. But again, this is a favor to two friends of mine to get them through this period.
1: So if you got something you want us to talk about in a future episode of Better Podcasting live chat, please get in touch with us through any of the ways. You can email podcast at betterpodcasting.com. You can find all of our contact over at betterpodcasting.com slash contact. You can go ahead and send SP a carrier pigeon, or if you'd really like, you can go ahead and transport him a letter up to the Enterprise. (laughs) <laughs> which is not engage. in the, which is not in the series yet but
0: not engage oh, energize. Yeah. Energize. That's it. energize 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 <laughs> so for
1: episode number 44 of better podcasting live chat i'm steven john drew saying engage there was no accent
0: there i couldn't do it <laughs> i'm sp saying hit
1: wrong star trek series bye it's a strange new world's podcast <laughs> fair enough
0: Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.